Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you'd like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. It seriously is an amazing thing that you are listening to this podcast. I, Whenever I record it, I think to myself how cool it is that even one person will want to listen to this and have this conversation with Jesus, with me, and so just... I don't say it enough, but thank you so much for listening to this, and it's a joy for me to get to bring these to you each and every week. This week, just a little uh, heads up, if you hear some car noises, I'm actually sitting in my car outside of a member's home. So we have members in our church family that are homebound, and so one of the things I love getting to do is to bring them communion, bring God's Word to them, and experience life with them as they Without realizing it, I think they impact me more than I could ever impact them as I think about their life of faith and the hope that they cling to no matter what they're going through. So if you hear some stray noises, that's why. I love getting to be a pastor. This is the fun part of the job outside of the office and spending time with God's people. There's nothing better than that. So this week, the big theme that we're looking at is from death to life by grace. So why do Christians get so excited by that word grace? Why do we sing amazing grace? Why do we name our churches after it? We name our children after it. What is so amazing about God's grace? Well, God's grace is his undeserved love for us. But why is it so amazing? Well, today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. It reveals why God's grace is the most amazing gift we could ever have. Because we have a problem. We are spiritually dead. We can't do a thing to make things right with God. We are captive to the ways of this world and how they squash hope right out of our lives. But, that beautiful gospel word, but God loves us. And that changes everything. His undeserved love is and, and his love for us brought us back to life. It's so amazing, I can't even spit the words out of my mouth. The same power that he raised Jesus with he's raised us with, and we were brought from death to life by God's grace. God's amazing grace is the greatest gift we could ever have. There really is no greater hope than that. I'm so excited to dive into Ephesians 2 with you today. Have you ever played the mental game or the mental exercise, what if? The game, it goes like this. You think about your life and the alternate reality you could have lived. So for example, I'll kind of walk you through this a little bit. Can you imagine what your experience and personality would be if you didn't have the parents that you do or you did? Can you picture in your mind where you would have been if not for the influences that surrounded you in your life. Have you ever just sat down one day and thought about, you know, if this event wouldn't have happened here and if this person hadn't been in my life there, that I would be somewhere completely different than where I am today? It's an amazing thing that the human brain has the ability for imagination like that. No other creature on the planet can do what we can do. We can create realities in our minds 
that never were. And we can almost taste an experience we never had. We can get to that sort of level in our imagination. We, and now, even today with technology, we can create videos and pictures that make events that never really happened look like they absolutely did. Maybe you've heard of the whole deep fake thing. That's exactly what this is. Which, of course, it makes me think, all right, why do we do that? Why do you spend so much time imagining what life could have been or imagining what life should be or even creating deep fake videos and pictures to create a reality that never was? Why do we spend so much mental space and time thinking such things? Well, sometimes, in fact, maybe more times than we like to admit, we wish that the alternate reality was the true one, the real one. And there's an alternate reality out there that many, in fact, most in the world imagine is true and authentic and achievable, but it's counterfeit. This alternate reality is this, that a truly lived life, truly living, is having the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and however I want. It's this societal mantra that confronts you and me every single day, especially in America, That true life and true freedom revolve around getting everything our hearts desire whenever we want it, wherever we want it, and however we want it. You know, in theory, that sounds really good. We have to admit that, right? It sounds really good that, okay, to truly live life would be me getting everything I want when it's convenient for me, in my timing. That sounds so good on paper. But if you've actually lived that out, and maybe you have, Maybe you know more about that kind of life than you wish you did. You realize that's not life at all. The alternate, counterfeit, deep fake kind of reality that says freedom is nothing more than being able to do whatever you want. That freedom is having the total affirmation to live how you want regardless of how it affects others. That freedom is the right you should have to make yourself happy by any means available. Some of you who are listening to this, and maybe this is you personally, You thought you knew it would satisfy. You thought you knew it could bring you joy, even if it was just for a moment, even just momentary happiness, and you chased after it, but you always felt like you were grasping at air, never gaining what you truly wanted. Maybe you know what that life was like. Maybe for you, it was sex, going from partner to partner, person to person, looking for that high of an experience, but it never satisfied you. Maybe it was a substance of some kind. Maybe it was social media. Maybe it was your own job, trying to climb that ladder, trying to be the face of the franchise, the face of the company, but coming up short. And even if maybe you've achieved that, but you're still finding yourself searching. Maybe you tried to find it in friendships, and if you knew the right people, had the right connections, that, okay, now I'm truly living. Or maybe it was money. I mean, I look around South Florida and I see so many people chasing after the big houses, the fancy cars, trying to keep with the Joneses, but you feel like as you try to do that, you're losing more of yourself. Maybe you know what that life is like. In this quote-unquote free life that so many voices around us say, this is freedom, you found yourself feeling out of control, chained to urges. But maybe as you listen to this podcast, If you're like me, I've had the amazing, amazing gift of God's grace that I've known Jesus as long as I can remember. Baptized as a baby into God's family. We're celebrating a baptism this Sunday, little Braden. I'm so excited about that. Um, But yeah, you grow up with this gift of being surrounded by Christian family and friends. That was my life. 
And yet even still, more times I, I wish I could say, more times than not, I have so often tried to live like I was dead. Or instead of living in this new life, this freedom, this amazing gift of God that is His grace, I turn to things that give momentary pleasure, but lasting shame and guilt. See, whether you've grown up and Christ wasn't in your life, Jesus wasn't in your life until recently, or you're like me and you've grown up with Jesus being a part of your life from day one, I want you to imagine or to think back to what life was like before Jesus. In fact, I want you to think about who would you be right now if Jesus wasn't a part of your life, if Jesus wasn't the focus, the power, the grace, the everything in your life, if Jesus wasn't a part of it, who would you be? Who would you be spiritually without Jesus? I want you to brace yourself. Because this is what Paul's going to tell us today. You know who we are without Jesus? We're dead. Think about something that's dead. It's not just pretty. You can try to put makeup on a dead body. You can try to make it look all nice and even lifelike. But you know as well as I do what's going on in that body. It's rotting. It's disgusting. It's heartbreaking. It's repulsive. It's this sense of failure. It's this lostness. It's this always chasing, never finding. Dead. See, most of the people the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to, they they knew what life was like before Jesus entered their life scene. In fact, the culture in Ephesus was so obsessed with superstition. They craved trying to have the supernatural power and control in their lives. And that's when they felt alive, was that those moments when they could sense that spiritual power. So last week, in case you didn't catch the podcast, we talked a little bit briefly on Acts chapter 19, how after Paul comes to Ephesus, starts spreading the good news of Jesus and God's grace, that people are taking these magic scrolls worth millions of dollars and burning them. It kind of tells you something. This whole superstition thing, witchcraft thing, this was a booming economic industry in Ephesus. In fact, they had one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The Temple of Artemis was there. People were obsessed with this kind of power. Now, before you and I think in our modern American society that that was so outdated and backcountry, think about this. One of the fastest growing religions in America today is paganism and witchcraft. This is not as far-fetched as we maybe think often. But see, the thing is, it wasn't just that the people in Ephesus were turning to these dark spiritual forces to find freedom in life. They literally had legalized prostitution in the Temple of Artemis. This great wonder of the ancient world, prostitution was there. It was a part of their worship. But it wasn't just religiously. They would go and party throughout the night. They would go to all these different forms of entertainment, trying to escape the pain they had, trying to live like they were alive, to truly live life. But they were living like they were dead. Constantly chasing, but never truly being alive. And I can relate to that. The Ephesians aren't alone in that chase. You and I are in it too, or we used to be. See, without Jesus, that's that's all we are. Hopeless chasers. In fact, maybe, maybe you're listening to this and you've never been to a church, never really talked to God or thought about Jesus, or if you have, didn't really think he was anything good for you, or you felt excluded by him. This is the reality for all of us. 
all of us who without Jesus were chasing and chasing and chasing. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 2. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Without Jesus, you and I are dead. We're out of control. When we follow the world, we want to feel alive, but it always feels out of reach. No matter how hard we try, we might try to gain our own sense of meaning in our lives. We might try to find this elusive combination of hope and fulfillment and contentment, but we never can actually hold on to it. It seems like we have it and then it's gone. And when I think about that elusiveness, I can't help but think of a friend of mine who's a recovering sex addict. In fact, one of the first conversations I got to have with him, he was sharing the bottom of his of his journey, where he really hit rock bottom, and I'll never forget what he said. He said his life was like this. It was a one-night stand. A one-night stand became my whole life nightmare. All I was doing was chasing and losing myself more and more. And maybe you're a recovering sex addict too, but even if you're not, it's that struggle that we've all had at some point or another in our lives when there's that sin, that bad influence that's dragging us down and we try to fight it, we try to beat it, we try to overcome it and we're fighting and fighting but it's like we're fighting and punching air. And you try to put that struggle into words, you try to say, okay, that's what I need to do to fix it, that's what I need to do to win over it, but we just can't. We can't fully describe it. That feeling of swiping at air is exactly what Paul's getting at when he talks about Satan being the ruler of the kingdom of the air. It is a reality, not a fantasy, that there are evil spiritual beings literally hell-bent on convincing you that your reality in Jesus isn't real. They want you to live dead, to live in a fake, alternate reality. You're my spiritual enemies. They want us to live life like we used to. To live in our own personal BCs before Christ era. But did you notice... This is so amazing. Did you notice all the past tense words Paul used? Remember, Paul's talking to Christians. He's talking to people known and loved by God. He uses words like were and used to and lived. The reality is, through faith, you are no longer who you used to be. You are living the AD life, the constant year of our Lord, walking behind Jesus, walking with Jesus reality. You have been made alive with Christ, Paul says, through faith, through baptism. You have a new identity defined by grace, wrapped up in Jesus. And Satan and his allies, our sinful nature, the death and its influences all around us, they want you to forget that and to live like you're dead. And so when you feel the urge to sin, they say, well, do it. It feels good. It's going to give you happiness, pleasure. Do it. Or when following God in your life is inconvenient and a hassle at times, they'll say, well, don't listen to him then. Forget that burden. Live free. A phony freedom if there ever was one. They want you to choose death over life, to live in an alternate reality, to walk away from the constant reality of God's mercy, grace, and love for you and the plan he has for you. Well, then comes an amazing word. It might not pop off the page at first, but trust me, in this word, there is so much depth. Three letters, one conjunction, but. Paul, with one word, shatters that fake story and reminds you of your always true, never-changing reality as a child of God. See, just as the Ephesians were thinking back to who they used to be, as they heard this letter read to them, just like you and I, we imagine what life would be if we didn't have Jesus, who we were before Jesus, our own BC, 
Paul reminds them and you and me today, and he wants you to never forget this. God wants you to never forget this. That's all in the past. And why is all that in the past? Not because we put our sins and transgressions there, not because we busted out some men in black amnesia sticks and used them on God. Look at what Paul wants you to remember today and the rest of your life. Paul says, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and sins. It is by grace you have been saved. This is not of yourselves, the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Even when we were living dead, totally unable to approach God, God didn't give us what we deserved. That's mercy. And out of his selfless, self-sacrificing love for us, he chose you. And not only that, not only did he choose to save you, he raised you up with Christ, Paul says. When Easter happened, when Jesus rose, it truly was like we rose with him that day too. Our resurrection, yeah, it's in the future, but it's as good as done. Because we're so tightly connected to Jesus. Our identity is completely wrapped up in him. In fact, these words that Paul uses in Ephesians 2, talking about being made alive with Christ and being raised with Christ, it mirrors words that he said in the letter to the Romans that he wrote when he says, Romans 6, 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism links you to Jesus in every single way. And that's why I, I can't even begin to put words to how excited I am to celebrate Braden Mubagini's baptism this Sunday and to welcome him not only to our church family, but into God's family and to see God putting his name on him through word and water. It's something that makes us all speechless because it connects us to Jesus in the most intimate and closest and powerful of ways. Your baptism is worth celebrating every day of your life. And if you haven't been baptized yet, please reach out to me because I'd love to talk with you about that because baptism is that powerful reminder of the absolutely true reality of your life and your identity in Jesus. We belong to God. Who we were BC doesn't define us anymore. We live the AD life. We live in the sphere of Jesus. And just thinking of that ongoing power of God's grace in our baptisms was something huge to the theologian Martin Luther. In fact, he, he told a story, several stories, of how when Satan would come to him and try to get him to doubt God's grace in his life, the certainty of the hope he has in Jesus, he had in Jesus, Luther would say, ready for this? Ego baptizatus sum. Now, in case by some random chance you don't know Latin... <laughs> It means, I am baptized. Now notice, it's not, I was baptized. It's, I am baptized. I have been and continue to be baptized. And for Luther, that was a big deal. See, Luther, he dealt with doubts and terrors and fears his whole life. There were nights that he said he could almost feel like the devil was trying to snatch away his faith and those voices would creep into his head that he wasn't good enough or that he hadn't done enough to merit God's love and that he was worthless. And during those times, he called it these dark nights of his soul. Luther would literally shout and he'd wake up the whole house, but he would shout, Ego baptizatus sum, I am baptized. I continue to be baptized. And he was absolutely right. My dear friend, wherever you may be, whatever is going on in your life, 
If you've been baptized, remember that that baptism is a sign. It's a guarantee that there is nothing in heaven, there's nothing on earth, there's nothing in the whole universe that can ever separate you from God's love. Not your sin, not what others do to you or say about you or think about you, not even what you think about yourself. God has called you by name, through his word, through baptism. And he said, by grace, I've saved you. And this has nothing to do with you or anyone else. You don't have to do something to earn this. You don't have to do something to keep this. This is purely my gift, personally for you. No strings attached. Never doubt my love for you. It's always there. It's a constant reality. For all those moments when Satan tries to come at you with his alternate but entirely fabricated reality, saying things to you like living for Jesus isn't the best life you could have or living for Jesus is really a burden, holding you back from who you could be, what your potential could be, what your happiness should be. When those thoughts come, and they will until we're home, I challenge you to shout this. And maybe if you're in a restaurant, it might be awkward, but just the very least, just think with all your mind, by grace, this is your reality. By grace, I've been saved through faith. I stand forgiven, set free, made alive with Jesus. God and his mercy and love made me his child. He brought me to life. He brought life to this walking dead person who I used to be. That's not me anymore. The reality is I belong to God. I live through faith in the son of God who died and rose for me. Because that is the ongoing reality. You belong to God. That's who you are. Not who you could be. Not who you could possibly be. Not who you could have been. But are. Because you know who you are in Jesus. You know whose workmanship you are. Because you know that. You know his plan is better than yours. It's better than mine. You're not living dead anymore. You're not living the alternate reality that isn't true. You're not here to just gratify desires. You're not here to try following the world and keeping up pace. You live to simply do the work that Jesus prepared before the world began for you to do. Think about this. In the fabric of everything that has happened and will happen in human history, Jesus has a special reason for your thread that's in that tapestry. To hold the whole thing together, you are a part of that. He's placed you where he has. He's given you the abilities. He's given you the wealth you have, the experience you've had. He's given you the gift of all those things for a reason so you could walk behind him because truly living is walking behind him of course that includes us walking with him but it's having jesus go in front of us because here's the thing where you are the family you have the people you've met the things you've been through it's not random you follow jesus you walk behind him because truly living is going where he wants you to go not where you think you need to be, but following him no matter where he has in mind for you to walk. So you know what truly alive can mean? Living truly alive could mean coming to church and you feel broken. In fact, my prayer every single day for our church community is that our church isn't just a place you go to and you feel good with God and you feel like life is going well, you can put the makeup on and people can look at you and say, wow, they have their life together. No, my prayer is that Church is that place you run to when you need healing, when you feel so broken down by the sin you're struggling with, when you have people that you can be real with, that you can be open with, that you can share the worst parts of your life with so that they can tell you again and again, God's taken away your sin. You've been set free. By God's grace, you're saved. 
That's what this is. Being truly alive can mean feeling so broken by sin and yet being truly alive is clinging to Jesus and knowing without any doubt that what he's done for you is taken away all that shame, all that guilt. You stand free with Jesus. That's being alive. Yes, it's being alive when you living alive, when you drag your kids kicking and screaming to church and maybe you're sitting or trying to listen to this podcast in the car and the kids are screaming and you feel like you're not getting anything out of it. Living alive is remembering that you're doing something for them, bringing them into the word of God, bringing them into the presence of Jesus through his word in the Bible. What you're doing for them in worship, by listening to this podcast, even if you feel like you're not getting anything out of it, you're giving them a gift. As they hear this word of God, a gift that they're never going to stop thanking you for in heaven, it's worth it. Yeah, being alive, living alive in Jesus could mean passing up work promotions or not going to certain events or not signing your kids up for certain sports because they happen on Sundays or anything that gets in the way of your time of rest with God that you need each day, your time of balance with your family. There are things that people are going to look at you and say, why wouldn't you take that position? It means more money and more power and more respect. But you say no. Because living alive isn't things like that. It, living alive is just getting to spend time with Jesus and following where he wants me to go, following him, walking behind him in the callings he's given me in my life. You know, I, we've had a lot of members in the hospital lately. Living alive to most people wouldn't be sitting in a hospital room while your best friend or your child is in a hospital bed and you don't know what's going to happen in the next hour, let alone the next week. But living alive happens when I get to cry, we cry together, we pray to Jesus together, and we cling to God's hope together. That might not look like much. It might not look like true living life to the full, but it is. Oh, but it is. Even through tears, as we cling to Jesus, we, we're living alive. We're, we're living in the reality that we can only have in Jesus, that only by his grace we could experience. That's hope. That is hope constantly. See, all of that is living alive because you and I live for the one who died and rose again for us. So that in a little while, and that's all that this earthly existence is, it's just a little while, a blip on the radar. After that goes by, you would get to experience life at its fullest, unfiltered, unhindered, all Jesus. By faith, we live alive with Jesus. We know reality, even in this world of virtual reality and alternate reality and deep fakes. We know that we're not going to cope with life struggles by trying to escape into our own fabricated reality. No, no, no. We cling to the reality we have in Jesus. Because we know by grace we've been saved. That's your ever-constant status before God. We live because he rescued us. We are alive and free with Jesus. And never forget why. God did all these things for you. You know why God went to all the lengths that he did to save you, to rescue you by his grace? He did all that because he wants you to see him as he really is. The God who has an undying love for you. The God who gave you identity. The God of reality. So live in that reality. Because it's true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That will always be true. Let's never doubt it. Because we're going to cling to Jesus and walk behind him no matter where he takes us. Because we know where we're going. That's to be with him forever. That's truly living. And all God's people said from all over the planet as you're listening to this, Amen. So thank you so much for listening. Again, I know I said it earlier, but just, it's a joy to bring this to you. It's a joy that you and I, even from across 
time span, time zones, and across culture that we get to share in celebrating God's grace together. My prayer for you is that you keep Jesus before you for all of us, that we remember that truly living is walking behind Jesus, following him wherever you would take us, wherever he takes us, and knowing that no matter what we face, we're surrounded by his grace. God's richest blessings as you live for him now and always.